1: Welcome back. Bless Your Boys podcast, bringing you the week in baseball news from a Detroit Tigers perspective. BlessYourBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Brandon Day here, staff writer and editor for BlessYouBoys dot com. Been off a little bit. Um, we're going to be back with some draft talk tonight, and I've got a special guest for you all. Um, Trevor Hooth has been with uh, Bless You Boys for man, I don't know, it's been almost a year now, but it's, it's the first time uh, we've had you on. Trevor, how's it going?
0: Good. I'm happy to be here. I've, I've been. Uh, it was so weird. I was a huge fan of Bless You Boys beforehand, so writing I thought was a big deal. And then you're like podcast. I'm like, oh my god.
1: Yeah, and then and then everything just went to crap this year. <laughs> <laughs> like just just when you got here um let's kind of run through your resume real quick because actually um you've written you've got bylines all over the place a lot of good places i know you've you've done some work for um prospects 365 prospects live on the pod um uh, as well as writing for us and viva albertos uh, so yeah i mean you're a busy man obviously
0: <laughs> i don't know man i just i like you know creating content so um for some reason i just keep Adding things on. Apparently, I also don't like free time because I have a full time job outside of just writing stuff. But uh, <laughs> man, it's it's fun. I mean, you found I found the niche of uh, prospects a couple of years back and was really bad at it, and then started talking to people, got a little better, and now I'm slightly above bad at it, and uh, it's fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is. When I um, when did I, I started like t- late 2014, 2015, that off season um, with Blushy Boys. And I hadn't, you know, really written about, I'd written about, you know, for completely other subjects, um, never about baseball before. And, yeah, you know, the Tigers had had such bad farm systems for a long time. Like, that was, like, not where I had any interest. Um, and that was Emily Walden's beat at the time. So I helped her out with a few things, and she she kind of, like, explained some things to me. And uh, when she finally left, it was sort of like, well, somebody's got to do this. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's me. And uh, yeah, as it turned out, you know, um, I've loved it, and it was um, the exact right time to really get into it, because yeah, the Tigers farm system is better than it's possibly been since uh, since they had Lou and Tram in it. So yeah, meanwhile, the Major League roster continues to suck, so who wants to cover that? But I have to do that too.
0: <laughs> Their Major League roster is kind of like a farm system for any other organization, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, that's all <laughs> it is right now, and even that, it's not a very good one, you know? <laughs> I don't imagine we're getting, you know, tons and tons of calls on guys, you know, it's like Boyd Jimenez and, you know, maybe someone has some interest, you know, in a in a backup outfielder or something, that's about it.
0: Oh man, maybe, I, I don't even know who, I mean, maybe Stuart, maybe Reyes is getting calls, but probably not.
1: No, not not many calls, you have probably some people <laughs> like, you know, I'd like to get that Jacoby Jones over here, I think we could do something <laughs> with his swing and turn him into a legitimate backup, you know, center fielder, <laughs> right. kind of thing. Jacoby Jones is one of those ones that you'd think some other team could have done something, you know, better with for sure. You know, it's just, you know, 60, 60 power, you know, what, 40 hit probably. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Just... Uh, but that defense, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, the defense is good. I mean, I love the dude on the base pass. Like, he's like the, the type of athlete that we really want. You know, that like, that. you know, you see the Tigers looking for those guys out there. Um, but, yeah, just whether or not the, they can find anybody who can, you know, who can hit or who they can teach to hit. Dang it. <laughs> just sitting here staring at, you know, Daz Cameron and Derek Hill, just like, God damn it. If one of those guys could just just work the hit tool out a little bit more, we'd be fine.
0: High hopes for Riley Green and Bryant Packard.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Riley Green anyway. <laughs> I like Bryant Packard. Okay. Though. I, I think, I think he'll be, um, he should be useful in some capacity, well, I think, but l- we'll see.
0: Listen, I mean, you've known me long enough. My niche is finding the, middle, lower tier prospects and overhyping them beyond belief because I like them. And that is, I mean, Brian Packer is my favorite prospect in baseball. And he's, you know, probably in that mid-tier, I would say. So, you know, yeah, in terms of an organization, not not overall.
1: Yeah. And that's the kind of, you know, and in, with the Tigers, that's sort of like the niche that you can't find that much in. You know, everybody is writing about Mize and Manning and, you know, now Scooble and all these guys, like, you know, the coverage there is so over the top and redundant at this point. That yeah, it's like you can't help but try to look, for, you know, look deeper. Um, I, I didn't end up publishing this, but I had like a twelve hundred word piece on Daniel Panero ready to go this spring, right before they shut everything down. Because i was just like, there's got to be, we've got to have some kind of, you know, like sleeper candidate here for something, you know. And I've always had a soft spot for Daniel oh, Panero because he has a good discipline and he's huge, but yeah, can't really hit that much. I mean, with in room.
0: this, uh, in this break, it's so hard for me not to just look and go. Hey remember uh you know Hugh Smith and Brian Packett? I still like them
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know they are those guy those poor guys are still out there. <laughs> I mean the thing that's really set in like the last you know you know when baseball shut down it was it was a bummer, obviously it was you know we're all distraught about other things, so you have to put it in its proper context, but what's really just been bumming me out is just the realization that like yeah there, i don't you know there's almost no way to have a minor league season this year and um I don't know. I don't know if that hurts the Tigers any more than anybody else. Probably not. But yeah, it just sucks. <laughs> it just
0: just. It's just sad. But uh, you know, I've been diving into the MILB TV games. They're free now, by the way. If, if anybody wants to go and watch some, uh, watch some MLB, and there's just a ton of games. But man, you just wish that you know you could watch another season.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, you know, just right now, like it, you know, it was nice and sunny today. You're in Michigan, right?
0: No, I'm in Illinois. Oh, you're. In we Illinois, also sorry. had sun, but. But that could change in an instant in Illinois.
1: Yeah, yeah. And obviously, same goes here. But uh, yeah, but it was all nice out. And yeah, what I was thinking is like, damn it, I should be in Toledo right now watching this goddamn rotation.
0: <laughs> and watching Daz Cameron hopefully figure it out.
1: Yep, yep. Or, you know, at least at least do something. You know, at least improve, improve <laughs> on last year. I've always liked Daz, um, you know, obviously foreseeing the problems that were going to come with the swing and, you know, the approach a little bit, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, if I think there's a ton of hope there, but I still think he can get a little bit better. So, And I, I still say the same about Derek Hill. Like, It's still not impossible that either one of them you know, can out-hit Victor Reyes <laughs> and earn themselves a spot. Oh,
0: maybe <laughs> not, man. But the thing with that is, I mean, uh, I was working in uh, Toledo with the Mud Hens actually, um, when he had made his debut a couple of years back. And uh, I was talking to a uh, visiting scout, because in his debut, there was this long rain delay. Um, and I was talking to a visiting scout, and he goes, man, watch – when a ball gets hit his way and I i mean, Daz Cameron defensively is as good as anybody I've ever seen. Um, I mean, granted he was standing next to Kristen Stewart at the time, but, um, <laughs> no, I mean, d- defensively he's got a great reaction and it's, it's amazing to watch. It's, it's a joy to watch actually if you, if you enjoy defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he explodes to the ball really well right, right off the first step. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, and I, 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 like I said, I haven't given up hope on the bat. I just, um, you know, you just know that you're you're in low percentage mode there a little bit, but yeah, you know, it felt like last year. Like, I, I wish I could remember which game it was and, and find it. It was somewhere in in June, I think. But basically, he he lost a ball completely in center field and it landed like I don't know, like fifty feet over his head. Um, just just lost it. And after that, like that was the game where right after that he started batting eighth and ninth for like a month, and just seemed like it had just all kind of caught up to him mentally and stuff. So yeah, I was kind of feeling like you know, part of this is just you know, just one of those times where he was struggling and it just kind of built up on him. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I obviously hasn't been performing, but there's just a ton of pressure there since he was, he's kind of like everybody's last hope from the Justin Verlander trade. Uh, not that Rogers can't, you know, turn anything around, but, but it's uh, you know, being a part of that deal, having that name attached to him puts a little bit extra on him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I the bat has to come around, so I'm not making any excuses, but uh, I don't know, man. I like to ask Cameron still. Um, I know I wrote the uh, uh, "Bless You Boys" profile, I and mean, I was just watching. And I'm like, oh man, something's got to come around here. I mean, it it's just feels like it's so close to clicking when you watch him play, but also then he swings and the ball's not close to the bat, so <laughs> it, it, yeah. it's. Yeah. I still believe it, but um,
1: but you do see I mean, like I'm, you know line drive you know line drive to the wall up the right center field gap yeah. he can take it the opposite way no problem I mean yeah, yeah there's things to like for sure when he
0: when he makes the contact it's it, it seems fine usually it's just the contact is is the issue here
1: <laughs> yeah yeah just not not particularly good hands um, swing still a little long maybe know, um, yeah. and we're you know we'll get into this a little bit but you know the Tigers have Kenny Graham as player you know director of player development now and he was obviously the hitting coach for the For the Brewers and the minor leagues, they're hitting coordinator for a few years. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm trying to have some optimism and and not. The thing that happens, you know, when we talk about the draft especially is, you know, you can't help but look back to what they've done before. And sometimes that can just be a trap. You know, like sometimes it's not even the same, you know, the same people doing the evaluating um, and setting up the board. You know, sometimes the philosophy has changed a little bit here or there. I don't know what happened in 2017, but (laughs) The last, the the (laughs) last two years, like the approach has seemed overall better. Um, You know, you land a Tarek Scouble, you know, once every, you know, five years, and your, you know, your draft war totals are going to look way better. You know, you're projected, so something like that can help out a lot too. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just hard to know where the Tigers are at, and that was kind of one of the key things to look for. I thought this spring was. Like, are we seeing you know a different approach to how they're teaching people, or you know, are are people you know really making major changes in their swing? I feel pretty confident about the Tigers as far as pitching goes, um, at least until you get to the Rick Anderson level. Like, like you know, the way they they bring pitchers along, I actually like compared to even some teams who probably have a better um, just overall player development you know record. But um, but yeah, on the, on the hitting side, yeah, it's still just uh, it's a lot of, a lot of hoping and guesswork there.
0: Yeah, it's it's. You hate to say it, but it's kind of just a running joke around people who who follow the kind of the development around around the league. But I will say that, uh, and I know that this was just spring training, and obviously I'm not overhyping anything. But when Riley Green comes out and does what Riley Green did in spring training um, this yeah. season, you're finally just like they might have done something. <laughs> yep, yep. I think they might have a winner there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you got the the three headed dragon plus. Uh, um, Oh, Wentz, uh, went, you know, hopefully he returns fine. And, uh, and you know, you got green and, and a few other uh solid hitters, and Paradise taking a step forward. So, I think that uh, uh, really, the bats, um, the development, you know, as we joke about it, it seems like it might be knock on wood trending in a good direction.
1: Yeah, and it just seems like there, there's so much more information out there now that, that it's harder to make the, the the really dumb mistakes that used to go on. Um, you know, you, at very least you can tell what this guy's like, you know, power potential is and, you know, hopefully have uh more accurate metrics to determine, you know, if, if it's actually plate discipline or contact ability, you know, you're looking at, you know, all those, all those things that you trust scouts to do for you, but that other teams have gotten really good seemingly at, at really quantifying and breaking down to, to much more of a science and all that. So. Yeah, I mean, all right, well, let, let's do it this way, because I, I do kind of want to talk, like, Tigers generally, and, and we're kind of already getting into this. Um, I mean, overall, like, wh- how are you feeling about the, the, the whole organization and, and the rebuild? I mean, we, we can kind of look at, you know, sometimes we get caught up in looking at the farm system, but when you look at other good farm systems of rebuilding teams, it's complemented by you know, more actual players on the major league field as well. Um, and I keep bringing that up to people. But just as, a, as an intro, like, yeah, I mean, how, how are you feeling about this all? You have some optimism that we're going to see this thing turn around anytime soon?
0: I, I mean, yes and, and no. Um, it's it's obviously the the pitching's going to show up soon because the, the pitchers are, are just performing fantastic. It's what you want to see in terms of, of developing those. Bats. There's just not any bats that you're super excited about. But um, by the same token, um, I, I appreciate the fact that the Tigers quote-unquote tried a little more for this year. Um, you know, when they bring in Crone, Scoop, um, even uh, the catcher, uh, Eric Haas. Um, yeah. They're at least trying to bring in some guys who can hit the baseball, which is part of the game. And th- So that's a good thing that they've noticed that that's part of the game, and they're trying to address that now. Um, and, 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 you know, there's some other things that I think, uh, were kind of figured out. One, one example I already, I always bring up about, uh, you know, maybe the Tigers figuring something out was last year when they would have, uh, uh, Verhagen and Norris tandem as a, as an opener. And then, I mean, that was working pretty well, Mm -hmm. um, throughout that year. So it seems like they're figuring a few things out there, um, you know the the one thing that you don't like to see is uh, that stuck with me is that story about uh, uh, Minkiewicz when he left and and you know kind of the reasons why he left and the things he wanted because uh, I I liked uh, Doug Minkiewicz a lot he was the manager in Toledo um, these last few seasons I thought he was great um, in terms of what he was I was really hoping they were kind of grooming him for a okay we think the rebuild's here now so uh, thank you Ron Gardenhire and. <laughs> Let's see what you can do, uh, Doug McAvich. But um, so, I mean, there's things like that where I'm still kind of like, well, maybe. But uh, it seems like overall, getting the new, you know, the young guys and the prospects, it seems like it's going better. Um, and it seems like at the major league level, they're at least putting some effort towards it. I mean, they could have Puig, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm a little more optimistic than most people. I don't think that. This is going as as efficiently as it could have been from the start, uh, and I don't think that's even hard to argue. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. It seems like the trend is going better now.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you you kind of look at you know one of the things I keep I don't know I, I've brought this up and I get yelled at in the comments and get into arguments with people, but like we've been right too many times um, at, at bless you boys over the last like three or four years about things where you know whether it was receiving or shifting like new concepts came up we'd write about them we'd make a point that the tigers aren't aren't doing them we'd wait a year we'd make the point again and then maybe like a year or two later you know the t- the tigers finally start to get on board with something um you know in terms of receiving like you know they never really did anything to to address catcher receiving until they traded for Jake Rogers and by the time Jake Rogers you know if it works out and he's a starter for us we might not need <laughs> we might not need receiving anymore because they're gonna go to the automated system, I think, as fast as possible, um, both because they you know there's just a push to do it because they know it's gonna happen. And also I, I tend to think that like you know the, the new ties with with sports gambling, like the, the the deal they set up with MGM, all those kind of things are gonna start forcing them to be, you know more proactive in taking the human element out out of the game. And I think for most people, that's kind of what they want in general anyway. Uh, but especially in terms of gambling, like you know, we've all heard the, the point fixing schemes in, in basketball from referees and stuff like that over the years. You know, there's there's got to be concerns um, more more so than normal that um, you know balls and strikes could be manipulated to you know to change prop bets, all that kind of crap. So I'm sure that I'm sure that's going to happen, but it's just another example of like something that you know w- was fairly obvious that the Tigers weren't doing and. And, you know, to some degree, that's understandable because we all know the Tigers were really far behind. They leveraged the entire organization to put every bit of resources into the major league roster. And there was a lot to do when they, you know, when they finally turned things over to Avila. But, um, you know, it it just wasn't there. Like those first, you know, three, four years, it just felt like we we were getting nowhere. Um, And now it starts to feel like they finally have started to catch up to where, yeah, okay, they finally bought all the technology. They had the big, you know, upgrade of Joker Marchant and the whole complex. They did all those things. They've hired a few new coaches, Um, you know, like the one sort of innovative coach that, you know, that they hired for the major league roster, Chris Basio, Unfortunately, like did a bunch of dumb shit and got himself thrown out. Um, So that, that didn't work out so well, but you know, I mean, there's at least so tigers. Yeah, really. There's like, you know, (laughs) so there's those signs that some things are, you know, that are coming along, but you know, like to your example of the Norris um, with Verhagen f- following him, I think is usually how it went. But, you know, and that was, they just stumbled into that. You know, it wasn't even like a decision that they made that they wanted to do it. It was Daniel Norris like saying, hey, don't shut me down. You know, there must be a way I can keep pitching on five days. And, you know, you guys can just limit my pitch count. And he wrote, he actually wrote, I think hand wrote, um, Ron hired this letter about that. and uh, And they thought like, yeah, all right, I guess we could try that. And, yeah, it worked beautifully. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it was great. And, you know, it is you know, the the catching receiving. I mean, that's something that I honestly hadn't thought about. But as you were talking about it, it was just made me think of other things that they were doing that, that might have gone largely unnoticed. Um, this doesn't necessarily have to do with Rodgers, but, uh, again, going back to my time in Toledo, uh, that is when the catching tandem there uh, was, for large parts of the year, Grayson Griner and Jared Salta mm. Um So you still have Rodgers. I think he might have been in Erie at that point. Um, and they're working with Griner. I, I mean, they get a guy like Salta there to work with Griner. Uh, and, and there were huge improvements with Griner from what I could tell. Um, so it is like you just you mentioned that it is good to see that they are taking that maybe a little late, but it is good to see that they are taking steps in that direction.
1: Yeah. Now that they have some of these guys to work up, you know, they, they do seem to, yeah, to have thought like, okay. We're going to try to make sure that there are some smart veterans around them. Um, Austin Romine, too, this spring was getting rave reviews from all the from all the pitchers, you know, for the way he worked with the staff and especially the young guys. Um, so that was a smart move as well. But it's just all, um, you know, it's just all so short-term still. You know, like, I would have I loved to sign C.J. Krohn for three or four years. Like, I would have been all about it. Like, you'd lock up first base, you know, whatever happens with Torkelson, you know, you put him in left field. You, hell, I don't know. You put C.J. Krohn in left field. We're not going to be winning a lot of games, but... <laughs> But uh, but you know you know what I'm saying like there's you know it's like the the Nick Castellanos thing like it just dragged out until there was no value like they didn't they didn't decisively ever make a decision and um and that you know and unfortunately that just seems to be kind kind of part and parcel for them where they kind of just wait until the decision is made for them too often but um, yeah but on the other hand yeah there, well, it's, there are some good signs as well you know it's there's some of both.
0: It's just one step forward, one step back, one to the side. Maybe you fall forward a little bit. I mean, that's just kind of how it's been going. Yep. But at least they're going forward at times, I guess. Is is uh is the positivity that you can take out of this?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Now hop three times. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I mean. And you just never know. Like you know, if Parker Reynolds happens to figure it out enough to you know to be a 45 hitter with that power and speed, like okay, bam, all of a sudden you've got another player. You know, there there are guys with enough talent to pop up like Wenzel finds a little bit finds a little bit more of a power, you know, line drive stroke. I don't think he's going to going to be uh he's not going to turn into Frankie Lindor and be like the late <laughs> the late blooming power hitter um but but you know, yeah, there are some guys down there that you can at least look at and think like they have some chance. Cody Clemens, if you like Cody Clemens, you know, there's some chance that these guys can can contribute even if they're not, you know, very likely at all to have like another three-war player down there anywhere. So
0: you just described Ulrich Boryarsky to me. I believe. Oh yeah. I think he, he could figure something out. He might never be a starter, but I gotta tell you, he's one of the most fun players to watch, and it has nothing to do with his ability on the baseball field. <laughs> it's just because he's like the lankiest dude on the planet. So everything he does is just entertaining. Yeah. And he's got talent too. Obviously, he's got nice at speed. He's got so that that contributes to some raw power and all that stuff. But but he's just so lanky. All of his movements just make me laugh, kind of.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is kind of like. It's unfortunate I didn't get to see him that much last year because like for the most part, you know, I saw him at West Michigan and, and that was kind of it. And then they disappear into the the Florida State League void for the most part. But um, but yeah, he he is an entertaining player to watch for sure. And you know, one of those dudes that you can you can just tell like the strength is there. He's one of those guys. I've we, we got into this discussion about bat speed uh, last summer, like between a whole bunch of us. I think some of the Tigers minor league report guys. We were all talking about this. But I was kind of trying to trying to frame bat speed as like think about you know not just like total speed of the bat, but think about think about it in terms of the acceleration factor more. And he's one of those weird dudes that doesn't really have like the great acceleration factor, but you know that you know he he can hit the thing 108 miles per hour off the bat. You know, there's no there's no problem there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was thinking of like Stephen Moya was always sort of that same way, and Stephen Moya had like a quicker somewhat more compact stroke in a way, but also, you know, just like, just those levers took a long time to get there, you know, it's, yeah, one of those guys.
0: Yeah, the the acceleration guy is probably more of a Kristen Stewart who has, I mean, if you've, uh, you, I never appreciated it until I saw it up close during batting practice, but he's got a very fast bat. Yeah. Um, but, and, and that's kind of all, he, if, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while since I've seen Kristen Stewart swing a bat, obviously, but uh, he's kind of got that compact swing where it just gets going really fast.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can just tell he's like he's not tense, you know. He he's loose, and yeah, he can whip the bat through real quick on you. So, I was I was interested to see what he would do this year. You know, I th- I think everybody kind of gave up on him right away, uh, or like really fast. But I don't feel that way. Like I still feel like Kristen Stewart's a decent bet to hit. Um, it's just that yeah, you just I just don't know if you can have him out there on a team that's gonna you know gonna be an above average team defensively. It's just uh, it's pretty rough, pretty rough out there.
0: You know what I? I his second game in the majors, I was. At, it was, maybe it's not his second game, but it was one of his early games, and uh, he was facing um, either Verlander or Cole. I think it was Verlander in his in his return maybe um, to Comerica for the first time after the trade, but uh, it was either uh, Verlander or Cole. And he placed a double down the line, and since then I've just been like, this dude's going to figure it out. Just give him time. He was hurt. It's okay.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah,
0: he's, he's got the ability to hit. Uh, I, I like Kristen Stewart. I just, he was going to be an interesting guy to watch this year for, for sure. Cause he's, I mean, he's got pop, but just again, swing and miss. Yep.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of swing and miss, but he also, you know, and he's got some discipline as well. Like he's, he's not chasing out of the zone. He can be fooled by breaking balls, but he's not one of those guys that, you know, has no command of the strike zone, Um, which we've seen a lot of guys like that in, in Detroit. So <laughs> Yeah oh,
0: man it's it's a type they have I keep I, I lump together the three guys Lugo, uh Della Lugo, Harold Castro and, and Victor Reyes if you just look at their numbers man they swing all the time and t- nothing happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, those are guys that will here and there they'll bab up the, their way to like hitting 280, 290 and everybody yeah. starts to, you know, starts to kind of lose their mind, but yeah, there's just never any power. Um not enough contact in the air. Like Lugo uh I've I've been meaner to Lugo than I've been to almost any prospect, and I'm not really ever mean to anybody because I'm <laughs> I always do keep in mind like this is just you know it's a young guy like trying his best and whatever, but he just drove me nuts like that that trade more than any other just drove me insane I think is what happened. <laughs> yeah, because oh, right man, from it, the right I from mean, the it, beginning you know it was just like we got who like you start <laughs> watching video and looking through everything and reading scouting reports and just like oh fuck you got to be kidding me we got you know like nothing for JD Martinez. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and that's another the trades are just another example of how it, it's gotten a little bit better too um i think cuz cuz you get Dawell Lugo and whoever else the other few guys for for um JD Martinez and then you get Rodgers and Cameron and you're still waiting on the uh, the JV return but you know then this this past year you didn't you wish they traded him earlier for more value but for what they could get for Castellanos, they did you know okay i thought and then the Shane Green trade looks Looks pretty good too. Yeah. Um. Demerit. Demerit was always the most interesting part to me. I mean, um, Wentz. I had always just seen whenever people ask me about Wentz, I kind of just say it's going to be a version of Dallas Keuchel. Is um, <laughs> <it's, it's laughs> the best comparison that I have. Um, but uh, but I thought Demerit was interesting when they got him too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like Demerit. I mean, t- t- I like Wentz actually. Um. Pr- pretty good amount. Like I was pretty happy that was the guy we got out of there. Once it kind of became clear we weren't gonna. We weren't going to get one of their top, you know, five guys. So I was okay with him. And I wanted Alex Jackson. And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, prospect lists from, you know, early in the season for the Braves and thinking like, oh, dude's like their 30th ranked prospect. Like, we we should be able to pull him, right? And then everybody was kind of like, no, no, dude. Like, everybody knows he's, everybody's figured it out by now. They're not going to be able to get him. And, uh, yeah, Demerit. you know, DeBerrett was, was I thought, like a solid, you know, a solid uh, compromise or or fallback plan there. Because, yeah, he's... You know he's he's kind of another guy who can do a little bit of everything, and if he you know if he figured it out a little bit, the power's there to be a to be a major league regular in the outfield. So yeah, I was okay with him.
0: That uh, that trade was just fun to be in the bless you boys chat because for a minute we thought we were getting Wentz and Jackson, and we're like, wait,
1: yeah, this is gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, oh, they finally did it. They pulled one off. <laughs> because it's harder to do you know we know it's harder to do you know at this point, you know but teams are all using the goddamn war calculator you know and and there's our dial you know to a degree that nothing you 're going to find online is obviously and um yeah it's just harder and harder to really fleece anyone unless you're you know you're picking up their eighteen and nineteen year old guys um, who haven 't broken out yet, so yeah it, yeah it's tough and obviously you know that was that was the trade where the tigers did do well was was picking up paredes and um and Mr. Candelario, because Paredes was still young, you know, he, he hadn't proven it yet, and so they were able to get him. But yeah, it just feels like, um, and, and this isn't entirely the Tigers' fault, it's just sort of like the you know, the, the path of circumstances. But it was like the worst time to start rebuilding because it was right when everybody decided, like, nope, we're not trading prospects anymore, you know, <laughs> we don't, you know, we don't want to deal these guys for big free agents, and uh, you know, and, and the Tigers have kind of you know, borne the brunt of that. It just feels like we've we've along with like receiving and shifting we've been on the on the bad side of like almost every major trend over the last you know 4 or 5 years ago like we we tried to do the the Astros type rebuild you know 5 or 6 years too late you know where it's just you're just not going to be able to get the same kind of value out of your major league players so yeah mm-hmm. such as the circumstances i guess but the
0: the one trade that that uh, i thought was i've always i still to this day think is one of the more interesting ones that's happened that i, I still think is going to turn out well was the Leonis-Martin trade. Um, was that Martin and Dowdy, and you got Willie Castro? I mean, yep. I, I still like Willie Castro. I, I think that could turn out to be one of the more interesting trades that, that they've ever made, and it's the one that really just never gets talked about.
1: And it was, and it's one of those ones where it was, like, super efficient because, you know, they, would have, they spent, probably paid Leonis-Martin, like, $3 million, um, had, like, the best first half of his career, and then traded him, and then he got horribly sick. <laughs> and yeah, and we came away, you know, with Willie Castro. Who, yeah, I mean, I don't, I haven't given up on Willie Castro. I think, um, you know, some of the signs that we saw this spring, he had really worked on his footwork, and um, and kind of cleaning up some of the fundamentals that they'd had problems with last year, with well, and and prior to where he just kind of has that tendency to backhand balls and not get in front of the ball and and be moving toward, you know, first base. Uh, they obviously were harping on that with him all all winter long and he he definitely took it to heart. And yeah, I mean, I think he can hit. I just don't know obviously I don't know. Nobody knows if he's going to be able to hit enough to to really be a regular. Um but but yeah, I still think he's got a shot at it. I mean, he's still young and it feels like you know, we're all having to adapt ourselves to just the reality that when, when it's not a top prospect coming up, you know, and, and I'm like a, not our top prospect, but a, you know, top 20 overall type guy, like there's usually an adjustment period. They're just, you know, it's just really, really rare that a guy comes up and just mashes right from the drop. And we're all just having to kind of get used to that. And, uh, and
0: and I mean, there in, in my head uh, lies the, one of the things with their, with the Tigers farm system, um, the way you just described Castro, where it's like, oh, well, maybe he'll do this, maybe he'll do that. It's that the Tigers, and I, I think that the Tigers in general, and I hate to say this as, as a fan, but I think their farm system's a little bit overrated just because they have this really great you know, top four or five, depending on who you are, um, if you want to count Paradise in there or not. Um, and then after that, it's just the gap, I think, between five and six is one of the biggest in the league in terms of, of, you know, where where your top guys fall off and to where your next guys are. And, and in my head, I mean, I I just, you know, the Tigers go from like, oh, we you know, we like this guy every day regular to, well, you know, he could figure it out maybe, you know. And I don't know if it just happens quicker, I think, to get to that point or if it's just so dramatic from Paradise to – you know, whoever else where that kind of happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the better systems, you know, I mean, if you just look at like the, well, you know, honestly the Padres system is kind of of faded a little bit. I'm not talking.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking Padres or Rays at, you know, at all, but, but, uh, uh, another system that I can, you know, rattle off the top of my head is go, uh, Cardinals where they have, uh, Carlson, obviously up top Gorman and now Libertor. And then their next guys, like, you know, it's Ivan Herrera. It's, um, you, um well, I guess I was just bragging about knowing them, but off the top of my head, I'm I'm blanking. But you know, they have kind of a more gradual decline. It just feels like a cliff almost. Yeah, uh, for the Tigers.
1: Yeah, what I was going to say is it's sort of like the um, it's just that lacking those like 45 plus guys, like those yeah. guys who no one was ever real quite convicted on, but then they took a step forward, you know, and and we don't have really any of those guys, like that you know Parker Meadows is kind of the the one guy who I look at and like if Parker Meadows you know got a half grade better you know with his with his hitting um you know because of the speed and the power like yeah all of a sudden you've got a real prospect there but but yeah there's there's precious few guys like that like there's when you get past that that front group there really aren't too many guys that even have the the ceiling to to break out and be a, a you know a really high end guy and yeah I mean I and I think you know when you look back at the fact that we haven't traded You know anybody away of note, like a a young prospect or a really young player, really since you know Aonio Suarez. Um, I mean, it's pretty damning when you go when you go back. (laughs) You know that you know that's almost six years ago now. And um, you know we you know they like to say you know they like to say the rebuild started in 2017, but rebuilding the farm system starts as soon as you stop trading prospects away and um, they haven't done well <laughs> they really haven't last couple of years have definitely been more encouraging um you know i get, you got to give them credit for 2016 because they essentially had like you know three picks in the top five and they got you know matt manning and maybe kyle funkhauser still has some some kind of life as a reliever although i am pretty skeptical at this point but yeah, you know, you got that draft. But, man, is that 2017 draft just uh, just, just kind of keeps kicking me in the teeth. There's, like, a couple couple guys who might, you know, be contributors out of the back or something. But, yeah, you know, we're talking relievers, and that's it.
0: <laughs> and, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I do love these, you know, these guys still. Like, I like Parker Meadows, and obviously I like Brian Packard. And um, I think Franklin Perez is still exceedingly interesting.
1: Um, yeah, it's so funny that every time know, and he even comes back. Uh, you
0: know, Fido and – yeah, and I and all of them like, I like these guys, but but it's just, if I'm being realistic about it, which I try not to because I like to be hopeful, it just seems like that that cliff. And yeah, but yeah, Franklin Perez is the very interesting case.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that every time he comes back, you know, all of a sudden, bam, he's back in the mound. He looks almost as good as he did, you know, like right when we got him, considering he's barely pitched in two years. But yeah, he just... You know I need to see i need to see my man pitch like a hundred straight innings, you know like without an injury first before I start feeling any kind of comfort. <laughs> we had that long discussion last summer, like should we you know should we even like rank him and i just I just couldn't wrap my head around trying to even vaguely trust tools on a guy that I hadn't seen in like two years and hadn't pitched so but it does look like they're mostly intact, yeah. you know it's just a question of whether or not he can he can stay in there and hold up to it. I don't know,
0: well you know what we were the only. Uh... As far as I could tell, we were the only ones who weren't ranking him, and I still think that was the right call because we have no idea. It's not like we're just ignoring him. It's just like, we're, how do you put him anywhere?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, we were always going to write him up, you know, kind of on his own, one way or the other. But it was just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how to how to f- calculate this this guy's risk at this point. <laughs> like, I just can't. I don't know. If I if I was an actuary, maybe I'd have an idea. But it's a uh, it's it's dangerous circumstances, <laughs> you know, by baseball standards. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, another sort another one of those like sort of apocryphal stories, um, that you know, that sometimes feels like the Tigers might be figuring something out and then you realize afterward it all just sort of happened by chance was the um was the Leonis Martin breakout. You know, like all of a sudden his fly ball rate like just, you know, spiked like crazy with Detroit. Um hits a bunch of home runs for about mm, like two and a half months, like basically by mid June or end of May, he was he was already kind of turning back into himself, but um But, you know, everybody was kind of like, oh, see, you know, the Tigers are starting to figure out how to teach that launch angle and stuff like that. And I know, you know, Chris McCoskey from the news has kind of like, you know, shot down the launch angle thing a whole bunch of times and talked about how, you know, no, they were just trying to get him, you know, much more in that line drive approach. And um, then you look at what, what he actually did and it was like, no. Nope, he did exactly the opposite of what the Tigers are constantly preaching, and he swung up at the ball <laughs> a little bit and hit a whole bunch of dingers out of the blue, and we managed to get a decent prospect out of him, you know. And it's like, yeah, it's, hard, it's pretty hard to credit, uh, pretty hard to credit Lloyd for that, you know. Not buying it. So,
0: all, all this that we're talking about is just one way to say. Man, is it interesting to be a Tigers fan?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it is an interesting team. Like you know, there you know, there aren't so many teams that still have that sort of like dynasty attached to them, like the you know, the the ownership group that's been there for, you know, twenty-five years now that's been handed on. Um, you know, the old school approach with this like lineage that goes all the way back to like the dudes who mentored Dave Dombrowski and Alvila. You know, it's like yeah. I mean, you know, they, they have those old ties and then at the same time, they're trying to do the new school stuff finally. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird mixture of, of, you know, cross purposes sometimes, um, mixed with, you know, people who obviously have, you know, plenty of experience. I mean, I can't really complain when you have like Kurt Gibson, you know, coaching your base running and, you know, like some of the, some of the, you know, some of the guys who the Tigers have, like, you know, you know, that they know their stuff. It's just like, is there a unified approach here? Um, you know, all the way through the system. And I think this came up talking to Joe Doyle and Jay uh, on the last podcast was I was kind of telling him about Nick Castellanos talking about how, you know, at every level, you know, when he was coming through the farm system, he was getting different advice on, you know, on his swing. Like he was, you know, they were telling him to do one thing, then he'd go someplace else and they'd tell him, you know, the exact opposite. And then he got to Erie and it was like, no, just be yourself, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing. Like, I know the Tigers are aware that that was a problem, and that was a problem with a lot of teams, I'm sure, um, and, and probably still, you know, creating kind of a unified approach and communicating well and, and kind of having that that unified quality control all the way through the system is still probably, you know, one of the key defining factors of a, of a good uh, player development system, and the Tigers, you know, haven't had that, but at least seem to be aware that those kind of things, you know, that those kind of days have to have to be gone to the past.
0: Yeah, and and you know the way that I see this, and I hate to have to you know that I can even say this, but at least they're not like the uh, Lions or players are just outwardly, at least right now, <laughs> outwardly talking about how terrible it is there. Yep, yep. Because uh, you know, man, and, and because you know, it, the Tigers. It's just like you said. It's just it's it's storied. It's a dynasty, and and frankly, even with what's going on. Detroit is, in my opinion, hands down one of the best atmospheres for, for sports I've ever been in. So you just hope that they, they start to get good. I mean, to be honest with you, um, and I know this is something you wanted to you know talk about. You mentioned me. I did not really grow up a, a true Tigers fan. Um, I was, uh, you know, I moved around the Country a lot, and at the time, my formative sports years, we'll call them. I was living in St. Louis, so obviously, I'm going to pick up the Cardinals because that's also uh, that's another great atmosphere to to be in. Oh yeah. Um, and and I still like the Cardinals, obviously. If you Alberto's, I write for them, um, but it wasn't really until um, you know, my I went to college here in Illinois. My parents moved from Connecticut at the time over to Detroit, and then I go back and uh, I, I land this internship with uh, with WJR um where they're like we just want you to cover the tigers and i go well, that seems like something i can do um and so i started <laughs> you, going yeah. to you know I start, yeah i started going to these games it was my it was my junior year i think and i'm like man this is just really cool detroit is just a different animal when it comes to when it comes to you know sports and then i go to a lions game it, it's kind of the same deal um and, and then after that season ended they're like do you want to do it again and i said yeah uh-huh, <laughs> i do and uh, uh and they're like and they're like, well, do you want to do the Pistons too? I'm like, sure. So I, it's just the Detroit sports atmosphere is really, awfully awesome, and it kind of uh, just gripped me. Where I'm like, oh man, I just, it, you know, every time I would leave Comerica Park to, to go back to school, it'd be sad. Like this is the last game. Like I don't know if I'm gonna do this next year. And then of course they brought me back for a, a third year for some reason. And so I was swapping time between working with the Mud Hens and, um, you know, doing this unpaid gig covering the Tigers for, uh, nice, for WJR. And it, it was it was awesome. And. Um, so really, I'm a few years. I came in right at the time that they were you know, losing a ton of games. So right in the sweet spot. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, man, it's just uh, that you just want them to be good because the whole point of this story is that that atmosphere is so gripping and it's so much fun, uh, even with the state of the team it is now. So um, you yeah. really hope that they can figure something out. Yeah
1: everybody you know everybody cares like you know so much in Detroit it is one of those cities where it doesn't really matter which team like everyone cares about it to some degree or another and if you know a team even has like you know a remote shot at doing anything like yeah like the buy in from people who are you know, more often considered casuals is usually really intense. Like everybody's like, "Okay, you guys are good. We're all about it." Um, and yeah, and then there's the case of the Lions where they've never been good. No one's really ever expected them to be good. And man, those people just still pile in. That's the one team I kind of have. You know, I, I did kind of give up on uh, <laughs> really, really prior to Barry Sanders even getting there. Like I watched, you know, during those years, so I saw plenty of Barry Sanders. But yeah, one of my uncles. This is probably like late '80s or something like that. Like that was just like, dude, don't ever, don't ever root for the Lions. Like, don't ever care too much about the Lions. They'll always <laughs> let you down. And it really stuck. It really stuck in my head. And after a few years of that, a couple of years later, I was sort of like, yeah, you know, just not that into it or whatever. And yeah, I kind of drifted away from football um, j- just as a result of that. But. Yeah, but for me, yeah, I grew up in the area. So, yeah, like I was 10 um, playing shortstop and pitching in Little League, you know, in 1984. I'm I'm 45. So, yeah, it was like, you know, it was just all right in my wheelhouse. Like you couldn't help but just be obsessed with the Tigers, especially me. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? Detroit's done some really cool stuff, too. This is the I, – I always point this one out even though it's probably like a lot cooler in my head than it actually is in reality. But, you know, when you're, when you're in Comerica and you look in between um, um, the scoreboard and – where the stands go up, uh, you know, on the third base side, you can just read Ford Field there. And that planning to me is just like they've really tried to encompass this city, um, you know. And for some reason, I just, I love that. And I always bring it up and nobody ever cares. But, uh, and then I keep bringing it up because I don't pick up on social <laughs> cues very well sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I do I agree. I mean, I kind of like the idea of it all being sort of together down there. Where yeah, you can you can look out at Tiger Stadium and see Ford Field, despite the fact that it's it's skyline as an eyesore in my in my opinion. But that's a that's a different ballpark. Like they, they could they could dress up the you know the upper the upper level facade and the and the roof if they if they wanted to. But yeah, they have that. and Then you've got Little Caesars Arena, and you can you know you could run down there and you know in a minute or two you know on foot. So yeah it is pretty cool to kind of have that that yeah, I, I'm not gonna use the term district Detroit sorry illichis but yeah I mean that that kind of um <laughs> that kind of setup where they're all together down there, I do think is is pretty cool um and yeah when you know when it's you know when it's been rocking down there in the summer and it really hasn't been set up like that at a point where we had any teams that were really doing anything. Um if they could get to that point I think it would really be fantastic down there you know the atmosphere is always you know pretty good in downtown Detroit I always have a good time down there Um obviously it's different than it used to be but I never you know I I loved it you know whenever 80s 90s you know it was always like cool to be down there and stuff and um yeah so yeah I mean overall like I think the vibe down there is good it just um it all just needs somebody to win some damn games down there <laughs> kind of show us what the what the possibilities would be like oh if, if everybody was into it yeah
0: I I've seen the potential twice. One of them was opening day last year, uh, the home opener against the Royals because opening day in Detroit is, is just another special, special thing that happens, I think. And and the other one was uh, it all lined up where it was, uh, again, it was Verlander's homecoming you know, after the trade, first time he was in Comerica, which was also the first game for the Lions that season. <laughs> so the, oh, yeah. it was pretty
1: vibrant down in that area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I would have liked to have gone to that game. Yeah, I uh, I probably would have cried. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite player of all time I think right there yeah that was upsetting me
0: <laughs> you know he's one of those guys he's one of those guys You know, I said I didn't grow up a Tigers fan my dad was a huge Tigers fan like he, he you know lived in Detroit worked in Detroit um and and so he was a huge Tigers fan growing up with Al Kaline so I'm hearing Al Kaline stories and uh, yeah. um and so I was always paying attention to the, to the Tigers and once Chris Carpenter retired Justin Verlander was like my guy as a pitcher um I mean it was Chris Carpenter at first, but and then and then Verlander yeah. Carpenter retires and it was just Verlander I loved Verlander and uh, the more I got to watch him, the more you just love Verlander. I mean it's so impossible not to if you just watch him.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean he's just everything you want. I mean he's he's like he's the perfect ace. You know, whatever people thought about Nolan Ryan, um, you know, back in the day, like to me, yeah, Justin Justin Verlander is like the, the platonic ideal of a pitcher. Like from from the mechanics to the, you know, the fiery attitude and the arrogance and the cockiness and uh you know the whole thing the whole package is just perfect yeah in my estimation it's been a little you know and obviously it was cool to see him win the world series even when it wasn't with us but it has also been painful like over the past year um you know like watching watching him take the hits and like eh, not not in detroit anymore are you buddy <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah but man he's he's just a guy and and it's good to see that the, you know, he got a standing ovation that it's good to see the Tiger fans are still just like, hey, that's our guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he knows he's still our guy, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Didn't, I think he just sent, you know, whatever. He sent masks and PPE to all the first responders basically in the Detroit area and all that. So, yeah, going in as a Tiger, people <laughs> for that. Uh, People were so upset about that and so worried about it. It just never even really occurred to me to be to be like a thing I would be concerned with, but uh yeah, you know, he's just that dude. I, I wouldn't even
0: I wouldn't even think to be concerned about that until he's retired and it's been roughly 5 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No. I mean, he may still come back like if we could get it together here. Like, uh, he shows uh, no real sign of slowing down. Um it's got to happen eventually, but uh, I did notice he lost a little bit of his fastball finally uh, after getting almost all of it back, you know, post 2015 and uh Finally saw a little bit of a drop last year, just a little bit. But he also used the fastball less, and I thought that that was kind of like the tell to me that like okay, like you can't you can't come back and just be like a hundred percent normal forever. But then what happens? You go into the spring and he's got another groin tear, and his arm is still goddamn fine through all this. The man has <laughs> never really had a, you know any kind of a, a major arm injury. It's uh it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> just just a damn horse. So yeah,
0: so yeah, he'll be back. Uh, I I just remember uh story that i heard one time and i don't know if this was true or just somebody talking but it was you know verlander throw uh, at least used to throw um maybe except on his off day like 70 pitches a day minimum maybe just 90 something like that something ridiculous where and didn't hit his pitch number he would go he would go in, you know in the bullpen and tunnel down and just finish it off and just ridiculous how many bullets he's had in his arm
1: yeah yeah for sure i mean i wonder um I don't know. I've kind of, I've posed posed this question to a couple of analysts who who like to get involved with a totally pointless and ridiculous puzzle. But if you thought if you took each pitch in terms of of its actual miles traveled per hour, I, I just I have to figure that like at least over the past like 25 years, like no one's thrown more miles probably than Justin Verlander because it wasn't just that it, he was one of the rare guys who could throw 101, 102, and go 130 pitches a game. It was, you know, it was just the fact that he, you know, he never missed a game either. Like he would just do that and do that, you know, throwing that hard, throwing 60% fastballs. Um, yeah. And, you know, and still seems to be okay. So maybe, you know, guys, this, I've, I've kept this in mind with Daniel Norris in that guys who don't have an arm injury, who have groin problems, maybe a market inefficiency that we should try to explain. <laughs> like anybody who keeps like tearing up their groin, I'm like, I- I'm pretty sure he's using his legs really well. I, I think I like that guy. <laughs>
0: and you know what i uh, my my one well i think i wrote two but one the uh first fan post i wrote for bless you boys is i was attempting to get noticed so i could write a bless you boys um again really like the site and uh, um it was about I, I just compared the two injuries the groin injury of daniel norris and the groin injury of, of verlander and just the arc of when the velocity comes back and theoretically this is this would have been, in the year that Daniel Norris gets his his velocity back, if it follows the same exact arc, which is obviously ridiculous to think, but but uh, hopefully that's coming back soon.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I
0: I love Daniel Norris.
1: Me too. I mean, you know, as as a person, it, it's really hard not to just totally love Daniel Norris. Um, and you know, when he was going good, like I you know, I remember t- the end of twenty sixteen. You know, that that last like two months of the season, he put together such a real such a nice run, and like he was on everybody's board as like. The guy to watch, like breakout candidate next year in your fantasy league, you need to get this guy. Um, and yeah, and that was when the uh, when the injuries all kicked in with the groin stuff. So yeah, I've, I've been holding out hope all along that um, that it would come back. And you know, he was he was hitting ninety three, ninety four last year um, in those three innings stints um which I thought was a good sign that yeah it was coming back like if you can throw if you can throw that hard and you're still young and you you ever have thrown that hard like I tend to feel like you're gonna get it back as long as your arm isn't isn't breaking down on you and since yeah since he hasn't had an arm injury I'm still uh, still just gonna hang in there with him it just sucks now because um you know we, we're basically gonna have one year of him um you know or whatever part of the season we've got this year and then one year next year um so yeah, I don't know. I wish this. Uh, I wish this club would kind of start making some decision decisions about extensions and um and, and thinking a more a little bit more long term. Um, I still really wish we would have kept Nick Castellanos for for those reasons. Like, I think, you know, the first article where I started screaming about it was like um the after the 2016 or after the 2017 season, like. You know, shit or get off the pot right now. Like, do do this. Like, either extend him or trade him now. You know, while while he's young and people still think like, yeah, we've got three years, we can work with him and and you know find a position for him and work him into the outfield. Um So yeah, I just wish that they would you know they would have been more proactive on on that front. And I hope uh I hope going forward that they're they're thinking a little bit more about that because yeah, like a guy again like a guy like C J. Crone, it makes sense to to me to like try to you know. He's undervalued right now. You could have got him, you know, for a couple of years. We could have Travis Shaw for free, basically, at third base right now, um, you know, with three years of control. But nope, they whiffed on that one too. <laughs> Can't whiff on these things. Like we got- the
0: guy. The uh, the guy I really wish that they kept it was still in Detroit. Jose Igles. Uh, I I really wish they never let him walk. I don't know. I've just always loved him. I've always thought that he was. He just. I mean, he doesn't have power, but he. he just, I always thought he was a better hitter than everybody gives him credit for um and that's just me and then somebody goes well you know he's like a 250 hitter and i looked at him like he's a career like 275 hitter like
1: yeah he just fine. doesn't he's a fantastic defensively yeah he just doesn't you know he just you know, never had any like, He have any power but yeah and he didn't have any patience you know i i think those two things are have just always been interlinked that they've always tried to try to get him to you know be more selective and and swing at better pitches cuz he you know he's got enough power to reach the seats you know i mean i've seen iggy hit some you know 400 plus home runs in his day you know numerous of them so yeah but he just he just could never uh seem to get it together and i in on that regard, and I just feel like there there's some and I don't know if this is because you know the Tigers are a real traditional organization and they want everything done a certain way, and maybe they don't like the flash or something like that with him but um but yeah there just always seemed to be a little bit of a you know a little bit of animosity between between them you know like they they just didn't didn't like him, didn't like the attitude or something because yeah to to not even like consider making him you know an offer when they could have probably brought him back for you know peanuts and we didn't have a shortstop and they just still were like ah whatever yeah <laughs> well we want jordy mercer. Well, he
0: signed, signed he ended up signing of the reds that year it's like you couldn't have done that
1: <laughs> yeah it was a minor league deal I mean, like you what are you guys doing yeah and they jumped on <laughs> jordy mercer right away like he was like the top free agent out there like hey we gotta lock him up you know it's, it's november 1st let's get on the ball yeah
0: those signings and this is this is just Tiger thing in the world that made me laugh was when um, you know obviously they got they brought in Harrison and then Harrison was gone halfway through the year but they had that delayed game where he was he was up to bat it was like O two and he wasn't on the roster the next time around so uh, I think it was Jordy Mercer strikes out for him and so he gets a strikeout without even yeah and
1: it's like that's just that's just how it goes yeah that was hilarious I know that was one of the one of the weirder ones for sure. Okay, we're back, everybody. Um, we're going to get into some draft talk now, but uh, but first, I, I really want to hear Trevor's uh, Daniel Norris story. So, Trevor, take it away.
0: <laughs> oh, man, this isn't even anything special, but it was back when I was with the Mudhens. Uh, this is just a story about how wonderful of a person he is. Uh, uh, I was with the Mudhens working as uh, you know as an intern, and I'm so I'm down in the uh, clubhouse for his rehab. Um, and, you know, we've had a few guys in and out of rehab, and they just do their thing and, and move on. Daniel, Daniel Norris has walked around and walked up to me and just introduced himself. Like, that is just so unprecedented. He's like, hi, Daniel. I'm like, oh, hi, Trevor. And he talked to me. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just the weirdest things ever. But, man, he's just one of the, like, most genuinely nice people in the world. It was just awesome.
1: Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, because, you know, everybody's just in their zone. Like, there, there aren't too many, you know, players like that, especially younger guys who would just think to, like, oh, there's a, there's someone I don't know. I should go, you know, make them feel comfortable and say, hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a good one. He's, uh, yeah, he's wise, awesome. wise beyond his years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've had a couple. Of interesting so drafting.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. This whole draft <laughs> business. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, the the first pick has obviously come down to like a fairly fairly binary option here. Like, you either like Austin Martin or you like Spencer Torkelson. Um, it feels like what, what's been odd to me is that you know, like Austin Martin really seemed like he had it locked from just about all the, the major sources, like Fangraphs, Baseball America, everybody really seemed to have kind of settled that it was Austin Martin. And we haven't had any baseball since that point. And yet, um, the opinion does seem to have shifted. Um, at least, you know, Baseball America's last mock draft had, had moved it over to Spencil Torkelson. It's, it's hard to know, like, if anybody, like, heard anything or if this is just... You know, everybody has their own kind of way of going about this, whether or not they're trying to predict the draft or whether or not they're just trying to put it in the best order that they that the way they would set up their own draft board. They can kind of go about it either way, but uh, but at this point, like, yeah, who do you who do you think the Tigers are going to take, and who do you want them to take number one? Yeah, and and
0: you, again, generally, it's down to those two guys. That's what Baseball America said. That's kind of consensus. Now, obviously, that could change, but but uh, as far as I know, it's either going to be Torkelson or Martin, and I think what's great about this specific podcast is that we have one of each. (laughs) (laughs) I know you want Martin. I want Torkelson. Um, And I was on the Martin train for a while, um, you know, because I liked what he could do offensively. He's got all these nice tools, quick riser. And then I thought about it. And then I watched some more video. And then I was just like, you know what? I know that it's it's nearly unprecedented to take a first baseman at 1-1. Um, the last time it happened was, um, Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah. And and that's also the only other time it happened to my knowledge. So it's extremely unprecedented. It puts a lot of pressure on his bat, but just the more you watch, and the more that I'm thinking, the reason that I lean Torkelson over Martin personally is that the Tigers are hurting for a middle of the order bat. Um, and, and, You know, being able to have Torkelson fill that role, I just think he'll do it better than anything. And the reason, I mean, Austin Martin could too, but it just seems like Torkelson's the safer bet to fill that out. Um, And, you know, defensively, he's a good defensive first baseman, but obviously that limits your ceiling and Martin can move around and and all this. But of the two hitters, I just like Torkelson the best, and I think that's what the Tigers need. Because obviously, yeah, they have Riley Green, but Riley Green's also still... Very raw, So he's still got a few years on him where you can take Torkelson or you can take Martin, really. It's not like you can honestly go wrong in the eyes of people here. But you can take either one, and they'll they'll ascend a little bit quicker. And I just – since Torkelson's like the safer bet in my mind from what I've seen, what I've read, to be that guy who can be middle of the order and just solid. Because not only does he have this pop, I mean it seems like he's got this fantastic, um, you know, discipline, pitch recognition – and I know a lot. of Some of this is, is intentional walks. That's why I'm not looking at his walk numbers. But the the reports all said he can. You know, he's got that pitch recognition in it. So I like Torkelson a lot to be a solid, solid hitter.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As as do I. And I I have been a little bit more on the Martin train, but but I I really have not had like a strong feeling of like I'm going to be annoyed. You know, like either way. Like I I just don't feel that way. Um, and honestly, like. I've been kind of torn back and forth because if Martin is is a third baseman then really like you know the the difference in in positional value I don't think is is really enough to 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 trifle too much with because I do believe that Torkelson's you know the more going to be the more productive hitter. Um I I may think that the margin is less than some people do but I I definitely would think that he's the better hitter long term. And so I mean, I just, you know, if Martin could play center field, like, that would change things. If he could be a shortstop, that would that would change things, and I'd be much more strongly in his camp. But it just doesn't feel like anyone's that confident about either of those two things as a possibility. And so if you're looking at him, you know, playing third base or second base or playing corner outfield, like, that, that extra bump of, of being able to play a position up the middle... Isn't so strong, and and that pretty much mitigates the whole thing for me. Honestly, I wouldn't hate taking Nick Gonzalez either. If you could, um, you know, if you could get him to, to you know, save a, you know, one million, one point five million, um, off the the one one bonus, and you know, get me Nick Lofton or something, you know, in the second round. I'm like, I would love to see something like that happen. Um, you know, Nick Lofton doesn't have any doesn't have any reason to um, you know, to turn turn anyone down or make it clear he's not going to sign. That kind of thing doesn't work that way. But uh, you know, I I could even see him. So it just feels like it has to be a bat because I I really like Asa Lacy and I and I like Emerson Hancock, but neither one of them is like screaming at me like we're gonna regret not not taking this dude. Like we have to take this dude. Um, and that's what it would take, I think, to 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 even bring one of the two pitchers into the mix. So yeah, I mean I'm. I'm pretty much with you. Like I, I still kind of lean Martin a little bit, but I'm not confident about it. You know, I I won't be upset probably either way. And I think there's an argument with Torkelson too that you know, like having a dude that has like legitimate, like probably 70, 70 power, is kind of you know is kind of important in Comerica Park because if you're gonna put a guy in the middle of the order and hope that he hits like 30, 40 home runs, you've got you you probably have to have J D Martinez Miguel Cabrera esque. Power, like somewhere in that ballpark, and Martin's not going to have that. Like that, that much I don't think is is you know under uh, under debate.
0: Yeah, and, and really the the thing about this one one pick um, is that it's not clear cut. It was last time, <laughs> everybody knew like it was going to be Casey Mize. Like that, that's it. And Gonzalez would be interesting too. I mean, he hopped up a ton of draft boards, but um, yeah, man, I just I don't I don't know how you pass up a bat like like Torkelson, maybe he doesn't have that power where, he, you know, he's going to be 30, 40 home runs, but he's just such a good hitter that in my mind, I can't pass that up for, for anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially since I'm an organization that is in uh, whatever level is above desperate need. That's, <laughs> that's where the organization is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and really, yeah. Like it comes to like, it just comes down to my concern. Like, okay, I can see the Tigers like being able to fill out, you know, some of this, some of this lineup. Assu- you know, I'm going to assume, for for just the sake of argument, that that the pitching is going to come along and the Tigers are going to have a, a fairly strong homegrown rotation. Hopefully, a couple of guys turn out to be decent relievers, and you've got like the makings of a pitching staff. there will still be work to do, obviously, but but assuming that, like you, like my concern is shortstop, center field. Like you know, you kind of need you know, above, at least above average players at those two positions to really, you know, catch up with, with the top teams and what, you know, most of those rosters look like. And, um yeah, it, that's that's the problem is I I'm just, I've kind of gone back and forth, and now I'm back to a little bit, like, I just don't know if Martin's really going to be able to pull that off. Um, You know, it was always going to be a little bit dicey to begin with, and, yeah, w- with less confidence in that. And with the fact that, yeah, I mean, Torkelson is a pretty special bat. Like, somebody uh, on the site was kind of saying, like, hey, does... I mean, Torkelson's probably got better raw power than J.D. Martinez, and I was like, well, what, what, what? Like, no. <laughs> there, there aren't too many people with more raw power than J.D. Martinez, but I think he does have, you know, that kind of, like, you know, game-changing, middle-of-the-order power that the, that the Tigers do need to have someone like that anchoring things and holding it down. Uh, it's just, you know, yeah, where, where do they find the other guys? And it's got to kind of come you know they, they've got to find something in the you know in the second third rounds they've, they've got to find a position player who you know especially guys on the dirt uh, that that can fill those roles and you know and and be better than average um, and you know we didn't get to see much of Nick Quintana didn't get to see a ton of Lipschitz last year um, Quintana looked terrible um, but I, I didn't really take that to heart too much but like you know neither one of those guys really Really gave me that vibe. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they've got to put together a couple guys like that, and they've got to make some dang trades at some point that that work out. Like we've they've got to um, figure out a way to kind of work all angles here. And so I'm trying to remind myself not to overpressure it. Overpressure the draft as like we've got to find, you know, a- everything we need right here <laughs> at one one and and two one. So yeah, yeah, you could, you could you could go too far trying to be too greedy and turn away from the guy who's staring you right in the face, who might just be, like, a 3-4 war first baseman who, you know, who mashes and posts a 900 OPS every year, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking that. Nothing at all. I
0: mean, you don't want to put too much pressure on the draft, but also, you know, four of the big five uh, <laughs> prospects in the Tigers organization came from the draft, so you kind of do need to hit in the draft. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and... and you do need to fill those holes, but also um, the Tigers. Um, how do I put this delicately? Aren't going to be good for a while. Yeah. Um, so they're still going to have some high picks coming up soon, and, and you know maybe you can fill those then. But that's just a weird planning you probably shouldn't do. So right. yeah, you look into this draft if you can find other other infielders but hopefully you know since they still probably are not going to have a great record over the next year or two maybe you can find somebody else there who can ascend and fill those roles but in terms of right now in terms of what you need and what's available um it's got and to me it's just it's just torkelson i mean that's it just comes down to that you tanked for torque
1: yep (laughs) yeah i hear you and yeah and like my concern is just more like you know, obviously you've got to find what you've got to find through the draft but we all know that like building a team you know from pretty close to scratch when you look at the major league roster like all i'm trying to remind myself is that they're gonna have to 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 win in multiple areas to, to put this thing together like they are gonna have to hit on some you know free agents that they underpay and and work out they are gonna have to make some of those trades you can't force it all you know right, right through the draft and i feel like sometimes because we haven't really done a whole lot of, of you know successful trading and i'm a little bit more skeptical maybe than some that that chris illich is really going to spend that much um that yeah like some of this has got to work out but it doesn't all have to happen yeah right now we but, should, i mean that, we probably that, will pick one one or two next year and probably in the top you know five the year after at, at worst so yeah there, there is time for sure
0: I mean, but that and, and again that just brings up the question of of uh, You know, if CJ Crone had a massive first half, you know, what do you bring in then? Do you finally trade Boyd and hopefully get a uh, Brandon Marsh when he's not hurt or, or Jordan Adams type guy? I mean, yeah, you got to find something there. But uh, hopefully um, in, in what's a pretty deep draft talent wise, hopefully you can find something there in the four picks that the Tigers have in the top 100. I think it is. So um, they definitely have. The spots that if they if they are smart, they can still pull some productive major leaguers out outside of obviously one one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like you can't. It's it's almost more important that you just don't miss.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know you know yeah. you, you've got to yeah. keep got to keep adding to the kitty here, and not that Austin Martin's going to be a miss, but you know, but there is a, a non-zero chance that he's just like a you know an average player who you know hits basically average and plays average defense somewhere, which doesn't really move the needle all that much. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. But where this gets real exciting is um, is the the second round. Because, like, yeah, right now, like, being able to pick first in the second round and finally having a damn cop pick, like, th- those two picks seem to be, like, to be the, you know, the the crux of the whole thing because we're in a, in a draft where we've got a couple teams who don't have first-round picks and who have limited bonus pools. Obviously, the Astros bonus pool is mashed. I assume the Boston Red Sox are going to get clobbered, you know, here along the way at some point. Um, so the, so the, all that's available to us and yeah we have a draft that you know at least on the surface is really deep in pitching and actually has like a whole bunch of you know prep pitchers who might actually decide to sign based on you know based on the weird circumstances and sort of the unknowns that are uh, that are at play right now. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's it's a it's a tricky draft. Like it's we don't even I guess we don't even know for sure if it's going to be 5 or 10 rounds yet. Um, for one thing. Um but yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like you kind of think sometimes about like, um, you know, how does this hurt the tigers? You know, like, you know, just the whole situation and everything you might, you know, be losing or, or, you know, struggling with as a result of the, 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 delayed at least season, the lack of a minor league season, but it's all relative and really like there's a lot of ways in that. This is actually possibly to the tiger's advantage if they can, if they could put together kind of a deep draft. So like, yeah, if we're looking second round, um, Pick thirty-eight overall, I believe it is. Like, um, you know, th- there's always the question, you know, like who do you like and who do you think might be there. Like those two things are, are you know, never as, as aligned as we'd like. But who are you kind of looking at right there?
0: Uh, a couple of guys. Um, the first one is just a stupid idea that only I have that probably nobody else is on board with, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, and that is is maybe taking a shot on a. Top tier arm that fell to injury And that's JT Ginn um, And I know that The Tigers don't need arms We just spent all this time talking about that But when you talk about needing to hit I mean It's not ridiculous to think That he could come back and provide That first round value From the second round And I think that uh, that's just an interesting idea I don't think that's even in the realm of possibility He, he should still be there But I just don't think the Tigers will do it um, but I, 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 just, for some reason, that name is continually interesting to me. Um, and the other name here that I kind of like, uh, is one that I, you know, I talked to some of my, uh, prospects live, uh, cohorts about, and actually who they took in their big mock that they just did. And that is Torkelson's teammate. It's Gage Workman.
1: Oh
0: yeah. Um, uh, I, I, the more I talked about him, the more I liked him, um, you know, he's, he. It seems like he could bring some power. Um, he's a solid third baseman defensively, and uh, they think they seem to think that he could play shortstop if he need to, even though third's his better home. But uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I think Cage Workman's a very interesting guy, uh, not just to take the entire roster that they had, but uh, the Arizona State had. But uh, Workman's definitely an interesting name there. I think.
1: Yeah, and you know, and at least in his case, he's someone who I, I feel pretty confident is going to be there. Like he, you know, he kind of was one of those guys who was sort of like rising. It felt like le- last off season, like over the winter, and then some people kind of started to back away just, just enough that yeah, he he should be there. Um, I didn't love him, but you know, I, whatever. You know, I've watched you know five minutes of video on the guy, so I don't want to make <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make too much of a fuss. I mean, I think it's an interesting question though about the you know about whether or not you consider taking a pitcher um, because the draft is it does seem to be deep in, in pitching. And, you know, I'm basically best player available. Like normally that, that's what I would say to almost any question. And so you have to ask yourself, like, is this the the point where the Tigers should, you know, should go ahead and and take advantage and and hope to land like a first round arm, you know, at that point. Or do you think to yourself like, okay, everybody else kind of realizes this is a deep draft in pitchers. It's not impossible that you know there might actually be a bat that kind of gets left behind. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Th- those are the kind of questions that you know that kind of keep me up at night. Like you know the Tigers have done you know kind of ag- against the grain things in in building a really strong rotation at a time when teams seem much more you know apt to take the position player and pay for pitching later, um, which I don't like doing. Like one thing I've argued from the beginning of this this whole process is just that. I, I don't want to allocate our free agent dollars to pitchers. Um, you know we should have done that with Max Scherzer, and like all of history would be different. But we didn't do that, and um, and I think to some degree like it's been kind of proved out when you look at like you know what teams have tried to do by you know signing you Darvish. Like a lot of teams have made some big some big signings and not have it work out. Um, and when your pitcher doesn't work out, that that usually means you get nothing for you know like a year or two. Um, if you're if you're lucky. Chris Sale comes in and helps you win a World Series before he blows out his elbow. Um, so, you know, yeah, I don't yeah, know. It's and, an interesting question.
0: And speaking of pitchers, um, obviously the the weird part about this draft is I have no idea what's going to happen with prep players. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, And neither does anybody else. So, um, it'll be very interesting to see how those um, play out. But one, another prep guy that I really like that would be around there, but also could be around in the third, maybe even the fourth round. I don't even know is Ben Hernandez. Um, I have, he's a, he's an Illinois guy. Um, I've watched some video on him. Um, you know, talked to some people who really like him, but his changeup is not from this planet. <laughs> um, and he's got, you know, his fastballs, I believe in the mid nineties, it's low, lower mid nineties. And he's got that just, Ridiculous wipeout changeup. The only problem is he's got the uh, almost, you know, from the Hugh Smith mold. He's not that big, but from the Hugh Smith mold, he can't spin a curveball. Um, He doesn't have a breaking ball, but that changeup is just ridiculous. It allows you to dream a lot. And the same uh, token of of where is this high school player going to be? Shortstop Harold Cole is another guy that people I've talked to really love. And he could, you know, he could be there. He could be gone earlier. Uh, I think Harold Cole would be really great at 38. I think he'll be gone before that, but should should this, you know, what are these prep players um, going to do, thing, make him drop down? I think uh, Cole might be an interesting one, too.
1: Yeah, because you also, like, what are the prep guys going to do? And then there's probably a lot of juniors who, you know, got off to a, a decent start, you know, this year, but maybe didn't impress people the way they thought they were, like, you know, in, in relation to what changes they would made and how they were feeling and, yeah, there's there's probably going to be some guys like that who just decide, like, no, if I, you know, if I get picked in the third or the fourth, I'm going to, you know, Kyle Funkhauser things up and, and try to go back you know, <laughs> next year. Um, yeah, and that, and that does, you know, that does throw a wrench in, in some things. Like, you know, you figure, like, you know, the prep guys, like, if you're... If you're already willing to sign and, and you're interested in signing and you're available really to sign as, as a non-first rounder, I don't know that this would really change those decisions that much unless you just don't, you know, don't get picked in the top three, four rounds. But yeah, but it, it definitely just throws some more confusion in there. Um I mean, I like, uh, you know, it's just tough, at, at too, because, yeah, I, I'm just always, like, I go back and forth, like, reading everybody, like, who is, who's going to be available? Because I, I got plenty of guys I like. <laughs> like, I like, you know, I like J.T. Um, I have some, I still have, have some concerns about, like, I mean, there's some things in his delivery I don't love. He's he's a little stiff and and high effort, which can be fine. And I don't like to, like, put too much on on all that because you just don't know, like, if a guy is working super hard and conditions himself really well. Like he, you know, a guy with slightly funky mechanics or high effort delivery might hold up. And a guy who looks like he's, you know, smooth as butter will blow his blow his stuff out. So it's really hard to say. But yeah, I mean, I like him. Uh, I like Slade Ciccone. Um That's a guy who I've kind of been thinking, like I would kind of be interested if he fell down a little bit further. Like I think Baseball America has him at like 30, 30 or 31 or something like that. Um, he's a guy who I'd, I would like if he happened to slip down and, and I keep thinking to myself, like, I don't really want a pitcher like at that point, like I'm, I would prefer to bet on other teams thinking like, Hey, this is a pitcher, heavy draft. We're going to, we're going to go heavy on pitchers in the second round. And then we, you know, swoop up and pick up someone who has been neglected. Um, but yeah, but the guys that I was hoping were ne- neglected or like Nick, it was Nick Lofton. And that just, um, everyone is assuring me that there's no chance in hell he's getting to 38. So um, I don't know if that's true, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, and it depends. I mean, if we want to go back to that prospects live mock draft they had uh, Lofton going to a team you'd like, the Detroit Tigers, at sixty three overall. So um,
1: that would be great. We'll see what happens. There. <laughs> I would, lo- I would love that, but I, w- I would very much take him at, at thirty eight if he was available. I'm, I'm a fan. Um, you know, as far as position players go, there's, there's some guys who are interesting and and, and have some upside, like get, you know Workman. Um is a good call on that. I, I still don't really know what's gonna happen with Dylan Cruz, but I, I like the bat a lot. Um that you know, that's a guy that possibly could be there available to them. Um hard to hard to say. Uh, I was talking to Jay Markle about Mason Wynn a little bit, like we were just chatting about that. That that's the kind of player that I would be Really interested to see the tigers like try to do something with and and even knowing that they would fail, <laughs> like him and Tanner Witt, like both like I would love to see the tigers try someone that like had a lot of potential as a two way player both ways, but um, but yeah those those just feel like um, Rays guys, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, they absolutely do. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, um, you know Jared Schuster, Jay has brought up a whole bunch. I I like Jared Schuster. I wouldn't freak out if they took him in the second round, but I would. There's still some things I don't like about his delivery. Like for me, he's he's a third rounder. Um,
0: no, I just looked at. I mean, actually, because of Jay, um, I just looked at Schuster because uh, I do that. Uh, you know, film study Friday thing. Um, oh, right on. To try and keep getting better, where you know I just ask people to give me players to look at. So that's you know hopefully gets my eyes on it for them and it helps me just get eyes on people. Um, and, and so he gave me Schuster, and I would not like him in the second round i'll leave it at that i think he's fine um i think he's good i think he's a reliever um and my biggest issue with him uh i mean he don't worry don't get me wrong he's, he's got a, a nice breaking ball like he's he's solid across the board in terms of what he can bring i just think that he's going to be a two-pitch mix guy and and in his delivery it's i don't know i said this uh, uh in you know when i was looking at i don't know if choppy is the right word but it honestly, if you watch his delivery, looks like he comes to a stop for a split second when he lands. Um, it just, it, it. I know that's kind of a fairly easy fix, but it just doesn't look smooth. And I just, I don't, I don't see it much with him. Third round or uh, the next pick, absolutely, I think Schuster would be pretty nice. But second round, I wouldn't, I wouldn't love that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just not. I, I, I see some things that I, I, he would have to work on. But that's all. And for you know taking a guy with a 38th pick like i'd like someone who who's either you know like a high school pitcher who i just think has like stupid potential or yeah someone who's just kind of kind of got it more put together i don't know you know i'm going back and i know you just got the book um future value maybe today or the other day so you probably haven't had much of a chance to crack into it and i think they mentioned this in there but it's something that's been on my mind for a while in that i i just don't know quite what to think about change ups anymore, because like all you know, like all my training, like everything I thought about baseball like you know from the time I was ten until the time I was forty, basically, you have to have a good change up like you had to be able to change speeds, you had to have that good good separation, and it just seems like more and more of the research is saying like it's almost better just to ha you know like the movement um in in the change up is more important than the velocity separation, and we're seeing more guys succeed with curveball slider or curveball cutter, um, and, and not really having a changeup. So I'm kind of, I feel like I'm going through like some kind of a, um, some kind of a, you know, like a spiritual crisis, uh, as far as like w- whether or not I'm worried, I, I'm going to weigh the lack of a changeup as much as I, as I used to. Um, you know, with a guy who can't really, sp- sp- like, I, again, like Ben Hernandez, you know, I, I do love the changeup, but there's also the thing where, if you can't spin the ball now and and you don't really have a good breaking ball now, that worries me because most of the colleges are, if not ahead, are at least as advanced as, as most of the pro teams are in terms of their, you know, their use of, you know, spin efficiency data, high speed cameras, all that stuff. Like it feels like most of these guys, by the time they get to being draft eligible, have been exposed to that stuff. Whereas like, even, like, a year or two ago, even, like, a year ago, it felt like more of a thing where I could say, like, you know what, they might be able to teach him, you know, more of a, a, a better breaking ball. That might be something that we're going to get better at improving. And now I'm starting to feel like, ah, when it's a college pitcher, like, you know, unless he went to some dinky school or something like that, like, they've, they've probably, you know, put him through the ringer on all that stuff already. Anyway, th- these are just um, things about about pitching in general that I just keep have rattling around in my head as I think about this draft. <laughs> it's like, yeah.
0: And, and with a guy like Ben hernandez, I mean he's still he's he's,
1: he's high school training. senior, yeah
0: i mean so so um he's um you know he's obviously still working on it. he knows it uh all the eyes that I've seen of people I trust say that he's making improvements there and i I haven't reached that point of the change up talk yet in in the book um because I'm just taking my time through it, so I've really only gotten through the part where they talk about the draft. But I, I'm, um,
1: not, I'm not even sure it's in, it's in there. I, I just remember <laughs> that someone mentioned it, and I thought, like, aha, I that's what I've been thinking about. But anyway. It's
0: so interesting, though, because, you know, I, I, me too, um, in terms of what you were just saying, I, the sequencing has always been super important in my mind, and the ability to be able to see yeah. sequence like that. So that's very interesting. But, uh, but yes, but in, in terms of Schuster, if – if you're going to take a guy like that there, I'd rather get a guy that has a little bit more, especially in the second round, if you can get a Slade Kikoni if he falls, or if you can get a JT Ginn and that kind of thing. Yeah. So.
1: Yep, I tend to agree. And, and honestly, I kind of feel that way about Cole Henry. Like, like, you know, there's a lot of power there. Like, you know, he's got the frame and the pedigree that the Tigers would love. Um, you know, he's coming out of Louisiana State. Six four, you know, big right hander can can move it up to maybe ninety seven, maybe ninety eight, you know. But but when I watch him, I just I just don't I don't know I, I don't know I, I just don't feel it. <laughs> like he he just he doesn't give me the impression of a guy who's going to be super durable and, and keep improving. And sometimes it's hard to, to quantify, but I just I just don't feel it from him in his in his delivery. He's there's just some little details there that I I, I didn't love. Um, but you know, Cole Henry again like. Another guy who, if the Tigers are really thinking pitching, um, a lot of people have pegged him there because the Tigers drafted him um, back in um, 2018, I believe. They and it was a, a maybe like tenth round or something like that. So it wasn't even like one of those like, hey, how's it going? you know, type picks where they take a guy at 25 or 30 just so that they can, you know, sit down and have lunch or whatever and talk about his future. It was, a, you know, <laughs> they actually seem to be interested. So that, I mean, I think there is, you know, some reason to think that that's a, another guy that they might be into. And I don't love it, but um, but I wouldn't, I suppose I wouldn't freak out necessarily about Cole Henry either. But I just, I feel like there, there's just some guys like Cruz. Um, I'm kind of intrigued with Isaiah Green a little bit. Like these are kind of reaches um, for that pick. Um, and, of course, this is also going to depend on, on, you know, on who might fall. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of uh, hitters in the first round. You know, like, if Casey Martin fell to us, like, yeah, we I would assume that the Tigers would jump all over that. But um, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And and another interesting armor on this time probably is... Um, Bryce, du- Bryce Jarvis from Juke. Duke, Duke. Oh, yeah. my goodness, I can't say that. <laughs> It'd be easier if he's just from Detroit, I guess. But no, he's, he's another interesting one that could be around there if the Tigers decide to go that way. Um, and I think Jarvis presents, you know, as much of a, a back-end starter as anybody else that they could get there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he's an interesting one as well, too. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's a driveline guy, too, which I, I doesn't really necessarily mean anything, but I do, I do appreciate if a guy has already like sort of taken it upon himself to like go out to the, to a camp, you know, somewhere and and start learning that stuff and, and learning how to kind of improve himself on his own via technology. Um, that's, there's a little bit of a finishing school quality there that I, that I kind of like, but yeah, he's, um, he's interesting as well. Um, what do you think about the role of lefties in a time where you're going to have a, a three batter minimum, um, but with an experience well, I don't know what we're going to do this year, but you know, like at least normally we should have had an, an expanded roster spot. Does that change anything to you about like the way you you view lefties and trying to stockpile some good ones?
0: Listen, I, I am a lefty, so I think uh-huh. that you should only have lefties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's just another strategy. I think that it it will. Um, absolutely you know take some guys careers away for sure because uh, you don't have the lefty specialists anymore but i think that that is a good as argument as any to uh be able to find guys who have a usable changeup yeah. as a lefty because um, you need an out pitch against righties and you know if that's your 98 mile an hour fastball then great but that's not going to be the you know, filthy slider that you, you rely on against lefty lefties. So I think that's where, uh, that change of conversation should absolutely come back in. So yeah, it just, it, it it's just, I think getting different guys, um, rather than just looking for these, uh, you know, one dimensional lefties, Your let's call them Andrew Miller's who can just throw you a filthy slider. Um, you know, it, and he can do more than that, but that was just the first example that came to my head. Um,
1: how about a Blaine Hardy? Like, the Blaine, Blaine Hardys yeah. of the world are going to really struggle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah, you have that one-dimensional slider, and that's that's your, that's your what you use just all the time. And it, I, you can't do that lefty-righty as much. So uh, I think it just changes what you're looking at, and I think that's where, and, you know, he's not a lefty, but that's where a Kyle Funkhauser profile-type guy, except left-handed version, uh, can fit in and really work as a reliever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although I, I also kind of keep in mind, too, like I – I just wonder if it isn't more important to to find, like, the high-quality lefties. Like, not, you know, and this is, like, down the road, like, thinking about actually having a contending team. But, like, you know, the team that has, like, those two strong lefty starters, like, you know, even if it's, like, you know, a a Boyd, you know, and and someone else who's just solid, like, that you could, that you can use against those guys in matchups in big games and still have available, you know, and, and can still handle either side. Like, I think there might be some kind of a premium developing for actual, like, good lefties who have, like, the full pitch mix and and can kind of handle everything. Because, yeah, it just feels like there's going to be a wider separation where those guys who've gotten by, you know, on mediocre fastball, solid slider, but can, can wipe out lefties. Like, that role, yeah, it just isn't going to exist. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, so, just so, like a so, you mean
0: a, a Matt Boy daniel Norris tandem is what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. That one-two punch.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> just going to carve you up. You know, you get that in there, and then you bring in uh, you bring in Scooble in the ninth and just blow everybody's doors away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, what's he like? Ah, well, it's, you know, just imagine, like, Josh Hader, but, like, a lot taller and an even weirder angle. <laughs> yeah. The angle works. I mean, it creates a
0: really... Difficult angle for hitters.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they just cannot see what is coming out of there. You know, yeah. they just cannot. um Yeah, you know, I was overvaluing his changeup like the first couple starts I watched of him um, last year and was kind of like, God damn, the changeup looks great. And then I kind of like watch it more. I was like, Yeah, the movement's not that great. It's just that, yeah, once you've seen that fastball, you're just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, you're jumping at everything that comes out of there because you just can't, yeah, you can't get a read on him. Um, I don't know, it's, it's been really fun watching him kind of explode. I remember uh drafting him and thinking, like, oh, that's a pretty, uh, pretty damn good relief arm there, it kind of looks like. And then, um, you know, we'll see him a little bit of him in the Florida State League and he's like, oh, yeah, I think we've got something here. This is cool. And then last year was, I was like, oh, oh, this is a whole other thing, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole. Whole another category of guy here. Like still needs, you know, still needs a, a some some breaking ball improvements and, and some things. But I think people are even still underselling him a little bit and like trying to find a reason to to sort of not believe in this because it's happened so fast. Um I still think there's you know, there's a little bit of that like well, yeah, we've gotta wait and see, we've gotta give him a little more a little more time. And I felt that way at first, but you know, but you know, once I saw like a couple starts at Erie, it was just like, Jesus Christ. This is uh this is pretty ferocious looking stuff here, um, and you know with the the intensity and the mindset and all that too, like you know just the dude he is seems like he's going to be really good. I'm I'm feeling very excited about that man.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's kind of I mean he the reason that the tigers got him so low was that seventh round I want to say. Um,
1: I think it was a ninth, yeah, yeah. Pretty a, yeah, the ninth out. round,
0: ninth round, and, and you know he was coming off of granted his you know I think he was be seen as a. Is a fourth rounder, as Max or somewhere around there, but he's coming off of an injury, which is my same argument for JT Ginn. And again, I'm the only one who thinks that and probably wants that, but that's okay. It's, it's good to think differently, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't hate, I wouldn't hate him in the second round. I wouldn't hate it. No, nope, Not at all. I would, I would be fairly interested and I'm not his biggest fan because I do still kind of feel like eh, it just, it just feels relieverish to me, but even if he just turned out to be a, a good you know, I mean if you get a good power reliever out of the second round, that's fine. Um that would and be fine. A, and he's got and there's chance for you know, for more than that. So that's fine too.
0: And what many see for him is that floor of multi-inning reliever. So if that if that's yeah. your floor you're getting in the second round, I mean that's hard to complain about.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, there's a lot there. Like you're not um, you're not just drafting a reliever. You're drafting a guy with a lot of potential that that you could use a bunch of different ways if the Tigers, you know, would would kind of get on with trying to do some things like that. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> um, there's some fun. Some fun. Like, uh, what if the Tigers just tried this, like Mason, Wynn and Tanner Witt? But all right, let's move down to take a look a little bit further down and you know as far as like the comp round um i mean i'm i'm kind of a becoming a um a servideo sort of maniac and uh, i know a lot of people aren't that aren't that stoked on him although he does seem to have some some air under him late lately but um but i like him i mean there's um i don't know there's nick garcia there's some interesting some interesting arms down there as well um anybody in particular you're kind of thinking about for like we could kind of just pair it together and you know, like the comp round and the um and the and the third round which i think is what like pick 60 oh what are we looking at 63 and pick 74 um yeah in, the, in that realm
0: yeah um you know and and I'm new enough to looking into draft prospects where I honestly could not look at a guy and tell you where his round is. So at this point, we're just down to the guys that aren't going to go in the top two rounds and just guys, names that I like that I think you know could be helpful at some point. And the the two that really stick around here, one that I just learned roughly two hours ago, and that's Luke Little. Oh, um, yeah. Roger Martin brought him up you know in a tweet to us, and I was watching him, and we talked about him a little bit. I like Luke Little a lot. Big dude, fits that profile that the Tigers like of the big tall guy who can you know throw hard now luke little has absolutely no idea where the ball's going it seems like in the short amount of videos i watched about him but also has a, a pretty above average uh slider and he is a lefty uh, to add into that and the other guy another pitcher um i haven't looked into too many bats that would be around here but uh for some reason i feel like burl carraway could be down there still um and yeah. he's a guy I've watched a couple times that I like, and the name Burl Carraway definitely sounds like a Tiger name, because they like to pick weird names. <laughs>
1: yeah, comes out of Dallas so. <laughs> Dallas Baptist, you know, they picked a few guys out of there before too, yeah.
0: So those are just a couple guys who kind of jump out at me in that area, um, again, if they want to go arms, uh, but you know, if, if Nick Lofton is still there, hey, why not go for him? But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, those are just a few guys I think that'll kind of be there around that time, around the... Those few next rounds that I think could absolutely be helpful, and hey, if Ben Hernandez is there too. Yep, I would take him.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, that's another interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, Carway is interesting because he is another one of those like tall, tall lefties who throws across his body. Um, the the Tigers seem to like. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's always hard to say like from a couple picks like what someone likes, and I think we we sometimes go too far, um, trying trying to sort of peg teams to to types, but um, but yeah, he's he's a guy who throws hard. Um, you know, throws across his body and he's got some projection left because he's kind of a bean pole. Um, if I remember correctly, like Bur- Burl Carraway seems like kind of a, a lanky fellow who's not real big and, and might, you know, might be more of a relief, you know, body um, long term, but definitely, you know, like has some pretty, pretty nasty looking stuff. Um, he's a guy I, I could be into. Um, you know, Kevin Abel from Oregon State, like that's another pitcher that maybe in the third round. I could see the Tigers kind of kind of taken, but at some point, you know, yeah, we we would love to find like a decent position player. I know mean, I'm looking like Zach Deloach at um, from Texas A and He's an outfielder. You know, if I, Isaiah Green fell or, or someone along those lines, I would I would like to, them to take a, a chance there. Isaiah Green seems like he's going to have power and be kind of a like maybe maybe even a lesser hitting like Jordan Adams, but there's at least that potential there. Um, maybe not quite as fast, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and and this kind of goes to show, probably here while we're looking at this, that uh, you uh, probably want to try to avoid a pitcher in the second round, maybe grab another solid bat because you can, you might be able to get some some decent pitchers here uh, in these areas. As I'm right now, as we're talking, just clicking and watching uh, other other prospects that are hitters around this time. As, yeah. as there's videos here, and I'm watching uh, Kalai Rosario from oh, Hawaii, yeah. and that's, that's a, he's an outfield, that's a swing that I liked, but I'm a sucker for those, he's got a nice compact swing, but, but yeah, I, I think definitely there's a, uh a, a argument to be made here, since, you know, you and I are looking at this, we don't really know any bats that you could take running, or so maybe focus on that in the first two rounds, because you can still get some decent pitching here, it's a very deep pitching draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking as well, like, if you, I, I mean, I think there's a, an argument to be made that player development and, and scouting kind of go together in a way like in, in the best organizations. And if you feel like the Tigers are, you know, are are better at developing pitchers and it seems like, yeah, they, they might be better off waiting and trying to take someone who's just sort of raw in the, you know, but has the, has the potential with the comp or the third third round pick and, and try to get those bats and hope that, you know, teams are overemphasizing pitchers, you know, late in the, in the first round and in the comp, comp balance pick a portion, um, and then yeah, like maybe you steal a bat, but it rough, it really feels like they they're they're going to need to be flexible. And it seems like some teams really set up their board like really strictly, like we're we're just going in this order. And I think you know, like for the most part, that happens. But I do hope the Tigers kind of keep sort of an open mind as to as to how the first round plays out because they're gonna they should have a lot of options with that um, with that second round pick. Um, but yeah, the guy I, I want to stump for again, and I did this last time too, is Anthony Servidio, who just I he just. He looks real hitterish to me. Like he's got a compact stroke. I've seen him line balls the opposite way a whole bunch, um, and he's a left-handed hitter. His uh, his power started to to develop this spring, and and things were cut off. And he was um, he was brutal in, uh, in the Cape Cod League last year, and I think that kind of tanked him, and is sort of holding him back with a lot of people. But um, but I don't know. I saw some pretty good stuff this spring, and I'm gonna be um, captain eyewash here and say that like he he gives me that very, like, Cody Clemens vibe. Like, this is a dude who's, like, high-energy, like, Mr. Mister Grit, Mr. Rubbing the Dirt in the in the Cut, uh, baseball rat-type type character. So he's a guy I would like to see the Tigers take. I would, like, it would be optimal in the third round. Like, I don't think I would – ah, whatever. I mean, at that point, like, whatever. But, um, yeah, you would hope they could find, like, someone good with the comp pick and then, yeah, maybe, like, in the third round – Try to find one of the uh, one of the middle infielders that has a has a chance to be sort of our next uh, Willie Castro and hopefully um, comes along just a little bit better with the hit tool than Willie has managed so far. Although you know there's still a little time for the Willie as well. Yeah, it looks like
0: uh, Sir video, sorry, I Sorry, just pulled while you were talking. I pulled up video of Sir Video, um, and you know I I like it. You, you saw some. I saw some uh, defense. He looks like he's pretty smooth. at uh, on the dirt and, uh, his swing, he's got a, uh, kind of a, well, he's built like a baseball player, I'll put it that way, but he also has uh you know, he uses a pretty big leg kick, not as big as you've seen, but, uh, I guess I'd call it medium leg kick and looks like he, uh, has some nice barrel control. probably got a decent hit tool. Again, I haven't looked at anything else other than a short minute, 19 second video, but yeah, I like his video. I think he'd be an interesting guy to take, uh, with these few picks here.
1: Yeah, I just I've seen him take balls you know on the outer edge down away with with pretty good authority and then yeah turn on inside pitches too and and bust them out. So like it there's there's some good, some bat control there and yeah, he seems to like to have the the body to be able to sort of make those adjustments and he also could fill out some more and, and find that power. Um I think he just started playing shortstop this year like he he was he was blocked there um, by, uh, God, what's that guy's name? Gray, I think his name was Gray Kissinger, Kissinger? Where's Baseball America? I've got him up. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, um, yeah, so he did just start playing um, playing shortstop. And, yeah, like, the early returns seemed like they, they were pretty good. Like, he's got the body to do it. So that's, like, that's a guy who I, for whatever reason, just keeps standing out to me. And I've probably gone through, like, the top, 200 guys and watched all their clips like twice by now um, in the past couple of weeks. So it's all starting to blur together, but he keeps popping in, out to me.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, uh, we'll call it three swings that I just watched of Sir video. Um, it kind of, to me looks like, uh, the way that he was making contact and kind of, you know, able to adjust. It kind of looked to me again, three swings like, um, Tyler Freeman from the Indians. Who's got a, a plus yeah. hit tool. Um, and i hate comps but that's kind of what it reminded me of watching him do that for those three swings.
1: Yeah. All right, so yeah, there's a guy to keep an eye on. I know um uh in Jay's thread someone mentioned Jimmy um what's his name? Gl- Glowenky, i think it is from da- and he's another one from Dallas Baptist. Um uh, shortstop uh, t- junior. Um yeah, you know, he's another one who seems to be getting some love as sort of like the maybe the potential shortstop the Tigers might take somewhere in, in that range. It, there's like there's a bunch of like Kind of interesting, but not great shortstop prospects who all look like they might be available um, somewhere around the, the late second and third rounds. So, uh, I'm not real qualified to tell the Tigers exactly who to who to take. I like Servideo, but yeah, like maybe maybe one of those guys will be w- would be a reasonable choice at that point.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, just combing through some names here, another shortstop guy who's uh, just his profile reading. It seems interesting is DeAndre Smith. Um, he probably wouldn't be down till the, you know, fifth sixth round. But he's a uh, he's five eight one eighty. But they say he's got some decent raw power and uh, and some speed. So that's a, that's an interesting uh, um, combination there. And I think you know yeah. fills out maybe grows a little. He could be another interesting shortstop guy. Although the height doesn't really matter much anymore. Now that we have Mookie Betts, Jose Altuve showing us that you can do it. But uh, yeah. So I, I, there are definitely some bats, but in looking at this and, and talking with you about it, because this is really the first time I've talked extensively about this draft with anybody, um, outside of the you know Twitter conversations we just had earlier today, yeah. um, it seems to me like it'd be smart, and I've said this a couple times already, for the Tigers to go batters early, definitely Torkelson, not anybody else, and then another batter, and then maybe try and sneak in a pitcher if they feel like they need an arm, but... But, you know, it's an organization that needs an infusion of good bats. Um, you know, they got Riley Green. That's fantastic. They have Bryant and I'm only saying that because I love him. Mm-hmm. And now they need, uh, you know, they hopefully can get Torkelson and they can get Martin. That's another good bat. But they just need, um, honestly, <laughs> it sounds weird to say this. They need good bats, but they need bats to be able to fill the gaps between uh, we have these solid hitters in Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson and, we have maybe daz cameron can fill it out i mean they need something in between that right and i think that's where what they can get from this draft since they have so many picks in the you know so high
1: yeah yeah i agree i mean and you know obviously they've got one of the bigger bonus pools like if there's some way that they can they can finagle something to get one of the better you know high school shortstops um somewhere around that that point that would that would be a nice move um but, yeah, I mean, I don't think you need to get too cute. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, they, they just they need bats. And, you know, I mean, if someone's screaming at you, you know, at 38, like, okay, we thought this guy was going to go, you know, 15th or 16th, and this pitcher just fell to us, okay, that's a different story. But, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree, too, like, philosophically. Like, they need to – I always say best player available, but then you just kind of season it with, like, okay, once we get, you know, to the second round where the real, like – you know, real major ambiguity starts to kick into it. Like there's nothing wrong with like, you know, considering what you need. <laughs> I just hope they're, you know, that the Tigers do a good job of like letting Kenny Graham have some input with the scouts. Um, like, you know, having that, I just hope they're integrating that whole group, like the analytics guys, the coaches are all sitting there and they're looking at these guys like, okay, this is what we teach. This is, you know, this is the kind of hitter that we want. This is what we think we can do something with you know, draft that guy, like emphasize that guy or that type, um, all those sorts of things. Um, th- that, that will be the next step, I think, in the, in the Tigers organization is when we can actually like identify, you know, something some that they're doing well with hitters and, you know, and, and a type that they're, you know, that they're working with. Um, I, I would love to, to have those vibes from them um, rather than just sort of like, oh man, I love watching, you know, Cole Peterson and Jose Azocar, you know, play defense. <laughs> and, and and just knowing that these guys aren't aren't going to hit, and it just makes me sad for them. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and the biggest thing they can do is there's bound to be just by nature of of the MOB draft, there's bound to be somebody who falls to them. And since they have the bonus pool, I mean, they just just don't balk yeah. at it. I mean, <laughs> whether that be Dylan Cruz, uh, you know, if 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 they value Harold Cole like that, or or uh, I've had somebody, maybe it was Jay. Uh, but somebody suggested that maybe Pete Crow Armstrong can fall out of the first round and maybe get to the Tigers. Yeah. Um, if something like that happens, it, it, I mean, just go for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't overthink it. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Just, just take that guy and run. <laughs> um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this was a good, you know, good chance for like us to get acquainted here, like verbally and talk about this a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping this will kind of like spur, you know, the beginning of the, of the draft coverage. Cause I've been, I've been holding off and like usually we wouldn't start covering the draft until, you know, well into May. Um we we'd be like stiff arming Jay to like, no, stop, slow down. <laughs> um but yeah, you know, it's it's getting about that time. Kind so of stiff figured, arming because 'cause I've already <laughs> Yeah. Well no this stiff <laughs> like, arming me now is the one who brought it up. We're like, let's just do a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 actually I, I was thinking the same thing. Cause it's like a good way to kinda of get uh get this kick started, get to know each other a bit and um yeah, kind of talk about some of the guys that are that are standing out to us more than others and um yeah, we we can get to uh writing about these guys, and then uh, reconvene here in, you know, a couple weeks. Um, Hopefully we'll have a little bit more certainty as to what the draft is going to be like, what the rules are going to be, what the, uh, there's still a whole lot of issues floating out there. So yeah, hopefully we'll have a little bit um, more of a solid idea what this is all going to look like. Maybe the Tigers will just shock us all and just Sign Zach Veen for like four million dollars and do something insane, but I don't. Just, I wouldn't hate it, uh, I wouldn't either, actually. Uh, it's just so untigerish, it's fun to mention, though. Yeah, <laughs> we could take Antonio Sabato Jr., will fall to us in the second round. Sorry, Aaron Sabato, I just I have to call you Antonio Sabato because it's,
0: <laughs> I like Sabato too, man. You get Veen and Sabato, I'm in for the draft.
1: Yep, I mean, I'm, I'm upset right.
0: there's no Torkelson, but like that's not bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's to be all right, you know, especially if you got some cash left laying around, you know. <laughs> Yeah, go hunting some high schoolers. Like, hey boys, look at all this, look at all this cash. Come on, you want to go to college? You don't even know what's going to happen. They're going to pack you into a bunch of dorms, a bunch of sick people, It's going to be terrible. <laughs> it's like being in the army. Instead, shit. you
0: can do that, but play, you know, say you're a major league or a professional baseball player. <laughs>
1: exactly. You know, you're a tiger. You get to wear the old English D. We'll introduce you to Miguel Cabrera in the dugout and be awesome. <laughs> oh man. All right, well, thanks a lot for coming on, Trevor. We'll, uh, we'll get you back on here in a couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, in the meantime, yeah, we'll be chatting and uh, start, getting the, start getting the research uh, ramped up to full gear here.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Oh, no problem. Thanks for coming on. You got any, uh, anything coming up shortly anywhere else that we should uh, promote here before we roll out?
0: Oh, you know, uh, you just follow at Huth trevor on Twitter. I put most of my stuff out there and uh, uh, participate in Film Study Friday.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, that is a cool little project and also, yeah, I mean some of the other places you write for, like, yeah, people out there if you're looking for more info, you know, go check out Pitcher List um, Prospects Live, check out those too, because you all already know about Baseball America and Fangraphs and, and Baseball Prospectus, but um, Prospects Live in particular does really good work with the draft uh, and I love the picture list. Like that, that site was like built for me. Uh, it was cool having Alex Fast on here. I don't know when that was. Like a month ago. Time is all all screwy right now. But yeah, that was uh, that was great. <laughs> great guy. Yeah, so he was fast, good. To talk
0: fast to. is great. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's great stuff too. If you're really into numbers and stuff like that, and um, yeah, no, if you just anything prospects, you just reach out to me and. That's what I like to do.
1: (laughs) Right on. Yep, I like to as well. And um, right now that's all we can do. Um, So yeah, (laughs) we're going to do that. All right, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later.